When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Olive Magazine podcast, a weekly roundup of food and drink chat brought to you by the team behind Olive Magazine. I'm Janine, Olive's food director and podcast host, and this is episode 152. This week, I travelled to Toonsbridge Dairy in County Cork to meet up with an inventive cheesemaker who's creating authentic Italian cheeses in the Irish countryside, and he's just brought a herd of buffalo to help him out. Then later, I catch up with cookie writer Adam to talk all about rice and why it's one of our most widely loved ingredients. Okay, so I'm here in beautiful uh, Toonsbridge and with Toby Simmons, who is the owner of Toonsbridge Dairy. Um, it's not what you would expect uh, a normal Irish dairy to be because you've, you've got a slightly quirky, quirky angle, haven't you? Um, we... We make southern um, Mediterranean cheeses, I yeah. suppose, is our <laughs> big label. But yeah. we, we have, we're particularly specialist in mozzarella and what we call pasta filata cheeses. Yeah. But we also have a flock of milking sheep up the road yeah. that we produce a lot of Greek style cheeses and we dabble with Portuguese recipes and we're quite broad. So can you tell us how you got stuck? Because it's, it's quite a big jump to suddenly start making Italian cheese in the... Uh, Cork. <laughs> so my original business, um, when I was 20 years old, I started in the fantastic market in Cork called the English Market. Oh um, yeah, we're going to visit that later on today, yeah. And we have, we started with what we call the olive stall. We, and we found a supply, I found a supply when I was 20 years old in Germany and France on the border. Yeah. And we, so we started selling olives and by extension feta and pesto and then mozzarella and buffalo mozzarella. And we started importing it. And sort of took this mad decision that we were going to get a local farmer to get buffaloes and make buffalo mozzarella in Ireland. So you were going to get a local farmer to go and source some buffaloes? Well, I sourced them. All right. Then we got him (laughs) and he thought I was mad. But anyway, we went with it. And that went so far and we split up and he has his own business now as well with um, making mozzarella. And then 
after that, we basically had to diversify even more right. from just making buffalo mozzarella to a whole range of cow's milk mozzarella and scamorza and these hard cheeses that look like eggs called cacio cavallo. Yeah. And we also have the Italian Vincenzo Lamana milking sheep and it's sort of in the last three years it's become so where did the so i think you said earlier when we were doing the tour of the dairy that you you actually went to italy to learn you didn't just decide you were going to make these cheeses and just start doing it you actually went over to italy and found the source tell us about that there was there were two things that i mean we just bought buffaloes again actually we just had 42 released from quarantine last week oh my god that you've brought over from italy just in the last yeah so 64 Buffaloes with our cow's milk farmer as well, and he's desperately <laughs> trying to milk the first two, which he's getting his head around quite. Is well it a different it. job milking a, milking a buffalo to it's milking a cow? Extremely different. They are <laughs> such an incredible temperament. Of I was going to say how they're a bit grumpy about being milked up. He said one day they go absolutely fine, and they just stand there, and the next day they won't let any milk down for him. <laughs> um, they are tricky, and anyone who's ever dealt with a buffalo will <laughs> back me up. Um, but there were two strands to the whole um, thing. One was to source buffaloes and yeah. work out how to bring buffaloes in and farm buffaloes. And then the second thing was how to make cheese, how to get all the equipment yeah, and to work out how to really make the, the level of mozzarella like you find not in the supermarkets, in the artisan dairies in Italy. And there's, right. a, there's a very big difference. It's not a raw milk product, but it's not a pasteurized milk product. Right. And they do a very critical thing, which is using whey starter, which yeah. is best described as backslopping. And it's I prefer to describe it as um as um like sourdough bread making. All oh, right. So you're you're using a starter that you can use again and again exactly. to add certain characteristics to the Absolutely. Yeah. The, the the whey starter is it's yesterday's whey. Yeah. And we see it, it just changes all the way through the season, but it, it absolutely it adds this unquantifiable flavour yeah. element, you know. So how did you, um, I think you said you you looked upon being shown how to make these cheeses in Italy. You kind of basically knocked on a few doors. I knocked on the consortium of mozzarella. <laughs> and I was, can't believe they're like, I'm not that, it's just that you'd think <laughs> that they would be like closely guarded. I secret. thought they'd be really, I thought it was yeah. going to be thrown out of my ass with them. <laughs> Gennaro and said, oh, Cork. I was in Cork for two years yeah. learning English. I love Cork. So straight up to the, he was number yeah. two in charge, straight up into the office and he starts telephoning all these little artisan yeah. dairies and we got an artisan dairy in Capua. And in fact, the cheesemaker who worked in Capua a couple of years later came over to Ireland for two years right. and worked with us. And oh, he came over to work with you? Yeah, wow. it's fantastic. There's great memories of Franco. So how long did you spend kind of learning the learning the ropes, as it were? Uh, we spent two weeks and then when we actually got buffalo milk ourselves in Ireland, everything we'd learned didn't work. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the um, technically the reasons are that the first... Yeah. Um, milking of a heifer is going to have a really imbalanced type of milk. It's going to have huge protein and very low fat. Right. And the protein sort of blocks all the bacteria from working. And we didn't know that at the time, but I know it now. And there was all kinds of problems that we had. And then we did you ever feel like just go and sod it? It's not going to work. <laughs> we were wondering. It must be so frustrating because we didn't know if, yeah. if whether it would work. You know. Yeah. So. And then we got an, an Italian. Uh, consultant in and within two days we had mozzarella it was okay yeah 
And then it wasn't until Franco arrived that we really had mozzarella, that we, yeah. we had something that Italians in Ireland were telling us was better than yeah. what they were eating at home. And then once you'd sort of conquered the mozzarella, why... Um, I think you said the process of making mozzarella, there are other cheeses, like, in the family? Is that why you were making... Yeah. Are you making all the other so cheeses? when myself and the buffalo mozzarella... Part, um, the buffalo farmer parted ways and we started working with cow's milk, which... Right which at the, just at the moment, in a few weeks, we'll have buffalo milk in again. We suddenly started exploring the whole, what's called pasta filata family. And it goes, it's very interesting. It goes from really wet, fresh mozzarella to yeah. aged, like you'd see in Italy, five-year-old aged caciocavallo. This hard, flinty cheese that is amazing. There's burrata, there's stracciatella, which yeah. is the, the centre of the burrata. Um, of course, you make ricotta. The minute you make mozzarella, you've got whey and you you make ricotta as well. I love the fact it's all kind of organic and everything happens naturally that you've got the thing, you've got you've made that and then you've got the thing to make that. Yeah, yeah. We've, we were saying we make butter with the um, the, the leftover cream from the mozzarella. Yeah, because well. I didn't realise there was cream. I couldn't get my head around it. I was like, but if you make cheese, surely the cream goes into the cheese. But with mozzarella, you add the water in what happens with uh, mozzarella making is you you mozzarella for everyone out there who's yeah. worried about this is <laughs> quite a low fat cheese yeah it is. because you knock out a lot of cream out of the, the curd yeah. when you're when you're spinning it yeah and you can you can capture that cream again we put it in with our ricotta as well and it makes a much creamier ricotta yeah um it, you know it, nothing goes to waste yeah that's great and you um and because you had all this cheese lying around, you just decided to get a pizza oven in as well, which is yeah. a great shout, <laughs> I must say. And um, yeah, that's, that opened up a whole other avenue again. And it's like turned into this fabulous business of a wood-fired pizza oven. Yeah. Um, we do Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And most of the products, you know, there's it's either our real olive company stalls yeah. with olives and brilliant Italian or Spanish meats and so on and so forth, or stuff from the dairy. Yeah, who make, who makes the pizza? We've just got a new fella in called <laughs> Robert. <so. laughs> and is he a Robert bit of a, it. he knows what he's doing with the dough? And uh, Yeah, no, he came from one of our clients who's got a wood-fired pizza oven. And actually last year we we lost that. We had a fantastic Brazilian fella. And right. it ended up my 15-year-old daughter taking every Friday off school and making pizzas. Really? She yeah. loved it. And she was, <laughs> she and she really, was good at it. Did she she get was really, really good, good at it. Yeah. She's in transition, yeah, so it was, yeah. it was okay. So what, I mean, what are, you, what are your plans for the future then for just expanding on different cheeses or? Uh, I'd like to have... I, I, we see the cheeses two track. One, you have your bread and butter, mozzarella, halloumi, right. and scamozza, probably the tree. Yeah. And then you have a sort of an artisan, bit wing, more specialist, much, much more specialized, much more tailored to our, our selling ourselves on markets yeah. and stuff. And I, I'd imagine we, we're outgrowing where we are now, so yeah. we we'll probably have to move some of it to another location. But we'd like to keep something here. Definitely the restaurant. And probably sort of small cheese making. Yeah. So a lot of it must come from you. Just your need. you want to experiment. You want to kind of push it a bit and start doing different things. Yeah, it's, there's a lot of pride and there's a lot of interest. Yeah. You know, and, and actually, I've discovered that cheesemakers are much happier being challenged. And, right. And being very proud so of it. So you're going to give yourself a whole new set of problems to solve, basically, yeah, and that'll make I'm you happy. Good at solving <laughs> problems. Well, I'm good at making problems. <laughs> yeah. um, if people are in um, County Cork, they can come along to the dairy, can't they? On So it's pizza Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So we, we don't, 
particularly we're we're looking very carefully into the um, yes. idea of having food tours. Yeah. But we're not at the moment. But we are. But they can come and eat a pizza and come and eat a some. pizza, and we've got a lovely shop with yeah. you know probably the largest range of olives yeah. in Northern <laughs> Europe in the middle of Inchgeela Parish. Um, in and it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Very importantly, we have many people who turn up on Thursday. And oh, look very so upset. disappointed! And I know you would be if you came to this because it's um, it's an absolutely beautiful house with a big garden and um, a little kind of cafe attached to it. So, so yeah, unfortunately, we're here two. Are we here three days too early for pizza? Or hey, we're opening on Friday. Uh, Friday, damn it! Never mind. Polishing up everything. We got to eat burrata straight from the. Um, um, straight from the maker anyway so that's great but um, thank you so much for coming to talk to us Pleasure. Toby it's Lovely. been really good thank you Bye. stick around for a cookery team chat about rice including tips from Adam about how to cook it perfectly okay hi Adam welcome to the podcast hello nice to see you it's been a and while you, yeah I haven't been on for a while actually <laughs> Um, so we got together today to talk about rice because that is a feature that I've written about in our new May issue, which is out on the newsstands this week. Um, it's a really fascinating subject and obviously rice is one of the most widely used ingredients in the world. Yeah, I mean, for for many cultures, it's sort of the absolute sta- staple, isn't it? Really? It's a staple. It's like We've got the... like risotto, pilaf, mm-hmm. biryani, paella, sushi. And we've got rice pudding. <laughs> and we've got rice pudding, as well as just plain, like, boiled rice, which is I've, eaten with, like, how many countless meals and for breakfast. I, and yeah. I feel like we're kind of letting the side down, though, because we really, I mean, it's not, I wouldn't say, like, it's a cornerstone of our cooking. Like, I think ours is probably, our starch is probably the potato. Yes. <laughs> Although I would, I know my dad, really? my, my dad would kill me. I'd have rice over potatoes. But that's because my dad's Irish and I was forced to boil potatoes throughout my whole childhood. So maybe I'm like, "Mm, I've gone off them a bit. So when I was reading about it, um, I read that there are over 40,000 varieties of rice, which which is mad. But then when you think about it, obviously, you know, it's varieties of varieties, as in there could be like a million varieties of long grain rice, which is one of the most popular, just with slight differences. So, but, um, but yeah, so... The two main things that I found out as well were that um, the difference between a kind of hard grain, a hard starch and a soft starch, which dif- which is why you can't use risotto rice with your curry, yeah. as it won't well, be as nice. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I think what you were explaining to me is like there's sort of two camps, aren't yeah, there, of rice. Yeah. Um, to, to tell us about what, why that is or like about the... Yeah, so, so basically science-wise, um, the two types of starch are amylose, which is a hard starch in rice, both starches though, and amylopectin, um, which is a starch which easily softens in water. And how much of each starch rice contains determines how it cooks and what recipe is best for. But as a general rule, the longer the grain, the more amylose, that's a hard starch it right. contains. So if you think long grain rice, long, hard, when you when you cook it, it stays distinct mm-hmm. as, as opposed to um, soft, short grain rice, pudding rice, which yeah. just gets all creamy risotto so rice. that starch then dissolves into the water loads yeah. and then uh, then sort of like like saying with a risotto and gives you that sort gives of creamy, that creamy texture yeah, yeah. and it gives out some of its starch as well which adds to the sauce yeah yeah but let's just talk about some of the um the varieties that you might know and love um long grain rice which we talked about is it's one of the most widely available and used it's also it's fairly cheap it's pretty generic yeah i was gonna ask because is, is that is that like a, a, 
it's that's just a term which covers a few variants yeah, or they I mean, just sort it's of just, just it's chuck literally, in it is literally a generic term that covers that long rice which is i mean it's not basmati it hasn't got that fragrant color it will it will stay distinct when you cook it you know it's it's cheaper people serve it with like curries and um stir fries um it's just it's just your it's just, bog, nice it's just your bog standard white yeah, rice. Yeah. Anything that's labelled white rice mm-hmm. or long grain, it covers all of that. And, and um, what's, what's the mm-hmm. like? A lot of long grain will be um, quick cook. What what does that really mean? It just means it's been par cooked or par steamed. Right. So if you if it's got easy cook on it, I mean oh, it's cook, not yeah. it's not actually any easier to cook. It's like it just might take you five minutes less, less to cook it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I think it's all right. I was struggling to find a. A situation where I would buy it over basmati because I love basmati. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I would literally just eat basmati out of the bowl on Same. its own because I really love it. So, but but as a kind of you know a bog standard rice or store cupboard rice, it it's it's fairly like inobnoxious. Um, and then basmati, which is which is my go-to for the long grain. Um, so it's grown in India and Pakistan primarily, and as we know, it's got this really gorgeous kind of yeah, yeah. such a subtle perfume aroma to it and apparently that comes from um aging the basmati yeah so, that's real. i find that really interesting that they would age it yeah i think what it does is it um it concentrates the flavor because mm. obviously aging it dries it so you lose moisture and you yeah, concentrate yeah. whatever flavors in there mm-hmm. and really goes good basmati you would find with all rices you can use this as a as a, a sort of yardstick um Obviously, if you go into um, a big catering place and they've got sacks of basmati, what you'd be looking for is a very, very pale, white, uniform, no unbroken, no, no, unbroken, no, no broken little flecks, no, no flecks of dirt. Yeah. Um, and I think really because basmati is absolutely prized because mm-hmm. of, you know, it's perfect. And when you cook it, you get those gorgeous little fluffy grains. Yeah. And it, and it that stays, all the grains mm. stay really separate when you cook them as well, which is yeah. why obviously they use them for pilafs and things like that. So yeah. it's kind of... And your bir- biryani. When, and... So like when you steam it, um, you know, if you're doing biryani and you're like layering up the rice with, with sauce and meat or fish, and then you um, <clears throat> put a lid on, steam, pull that lid off and, and you fluff it up and it actually, it, it sort of epitomizes the term fluffy rice. Yeah, so. it really does. And then a few more exotic long grains. Um... Jasmine, again, which is used a lot in um, Thailand, Thailand South, yeah. Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. Um, that gets slightly sticky. I don't know if you've noticed when you've cooked it, like yeah, when you have it with a Thai curry, mm-hmm. just kind of, if you kind of, you often get it where it's sort of molded into a nice little mound and it just kind of has a natural, very slight yeah, stickiness, yeah. which is great for just like All those sauces, up. all those yeah. Thai curries, coconut-based sauces. Yeah, because yeah. Thai curry is it's not a thick curry. It's no. meant to be kind of soupy, isn't it? Yeah, so you yeah. get that lovely... Which is why I love it. Yeah. <laughs> and again, it's got that lovely like little fragrance to it. Um, and then another one, which is um, black rice, mm-hmm. which is quite becoming quite um, popular. Um it's weird because it's grown in two separate places and prized in two separate places. So Southeast Asian and Chinese cooking, they love Love black rice, but also Italian Mm. and they grow in Italy in Piedmont. Wonder whether Marco Polo did any sort of transporting of it, you know? (laughs) I have no idea, but I'm sure it has something to do with it. But it's weird that like, both cuisines really prize it as a very special rice. But outside of that, there's kind of yeah, a little it's bit. Not always really, right. yeah. It's not that used. But definitely worth looking out for because it's got a lovely um, nutty flavour. Um, so black rice, as opposed to brown rice, yeah. which we were talking about before, because um, 
all brown rices and you can get brown basmati and if you get something called whole whole grain rice or brown rice it's literally the same rice the long grain rice or the basmati but it's got the whole rice intact so yes. it's got the hull intact yeah so it has that out so basically it has that outer layer which for yeah, white rice is, is, is removed and the white yeah. rice then white is polished off i think they call it isn't it polishing yeah. so there's two layers the first layer is the hull and mm-hmm. you have to remove that for the rice to be edible whether right. it's brown or whatever and then you've got the bran and the germ mm-hmm. in the brown rice the bran and the germ covers um the white interior um so that would be your brown basmati or brown long grain when that's polished away you get long grain white or yeah. basmati white. So. I think it's similar to like in flowers, like a white flower is, yeah. is all of that endosperm and that germ removed, mm-hmm. whereas whole grain has all of that and it has that more nutty, darker, probably more nutri- nutritious yeah. um, element to it. Yeah, and yeah. if you... If you if you're buying brown rice because you want more kind of <clears throat> carby or more nutrients in your diet, it is a good it is a good um, source of that because it's thought to have more. Well, it does have more fiber mm-hmm. and a few more vitamins and minerals. So just basically slightly healthier choice if you want to do that. Mm-hmm. And then moving on to the medium and short, these are sometimes interchangeable. When I was right when I was writing about them. Um, it kept the medium grain and short grain kept jumping from one yeah, category yeah. to the other. But essentially medium grain is approximately two thirds, two to three times the length to width. And short grain is just fractionally longer than wide. Right. So your medium grain champion rices are risotto and paella. Um, risotto rice, I mean, I love it. I didn't even know there was a thing going on. with. I mean, I, I kind of heard different varieties, but apparently in Italy, people prize the different rices for their different qualities. Really? Because you kind of buy, just buy risotto rice. Yeah. It kind of either has a different, like you might buy Carnoli or, or, or Piedmont or like one of those different ones. Mm. But you kind of like, yeah, you don't know. You that just think of risotto. Yeah, I think if you were like heavily into your risotto, I think if you, if you went to see, um, you know, an Italian chef who was really into risotto, they would probably choose. They'd have a specific. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. the three main varieties are, um, so there's um, Arborio, which is probably the most yeah, widely most known. Common. Yeah, and the yeah. one that we know about the most. And then, um, and that's actually named after the Italian town in Piedmont where it originated. Then um, Conaroli, which is slightly firmer. Um, and apparently that's considered one of the best rice varieties for risotto. So it basically just means that you get a, you're more, you've got more chance of getting that nice al dente sort of slight bite Yeah, yeah, yeah. I rice. think that's the thing is is like it's the constant balance between getting the creaminess mm. from the starch being released mm-hmm. and getting the little... I mean, I think I've been in restaurants, I don't know about you, where I feel like they've undercooked because they're too yeah. scared of cook- overcooking yeah, yeah, yeah. it. It's like, I don't want to be crunching on this No, rice. no, because it can be really chalky when it's undercooked. <clears throat> it can have that sort of, like, yeah, yeah it's like almost like cloy- like dry, cloying yeah, texture. Yeah, I, I don't, I wouldn't order risotto when I'm out. Really? No, I do. I actually know. Would you? Well, I, I can't tell you the last time I did, but I might. <laughs> if I was in a really amazing Italian restaurant, I would definitely order, like, a filled pasta because I think, like, the skill yeah, of doing that. Yeah, the skill that. of it, yeah, yeah. But risotto, I kind of feel like, it's well i don't know sorry <laughs> sorry italy um i just feel like it's a little bit it can be really samey and but i think that's why if you did order in a restaurant it doesn't come in a massive big vat you would mm. have like a really small amount of it mm-hmm. it would be really lovely flavored yeah, it would be yeah. perfectly cooked then yeah you know it's good so it's good um and paella rice um 
again, sold generically usually as paellas. But if you see bomba paella, that is actually a paella rice variety. And it's really prized because um, the grains can absorb up to three to four times their volume. Amazing. Which is why you get that, you know, you get that amazing pile of liquid as your base and then you get your bomba pile of rice and it just soaks it all up so you can get as much of that flavored <laughs> stock that you know that you've made yeah. or anything into the rice because on its own um it doesn't taste of anything mm. so that's why you need it for paella really? yeah <laughs> and then another another um medium grain rice which is a speciality rice is sushi rice so mm-hmm. i would not go and use risotto rice when you're or, trying to make sushi or pudding rice which i once saw someone in a cookery magazine said if you can't get sushi right use pudding rice don't it's not the same like sushi rice as a specific, specific yeah. type of rice that has been um grown to have the specific kind of things that are needed to make brilliant sushi mm-hmm. so it's that slightly ever so slightly sticky but not too yeah, it's yeah. just got a bit that yeah slight stickiness to it sticky but not claggy yeah so when you when you um when you season the rice and then you form it into when you form it into your sushi rolls or whatever it just it just stays together yeah. but it's got like a gentle bite to it as well so mm-hmm. always look for sushi rice it's usually it's pretty, pretty much it's pretty always labeled as yeah. sushi rice so yeah. that's what you should be looking for um and then on to our like um short grain rice which is pudding rice which is one of our favorite things in this country i'm a massive fan of rice pudding not one of mine Isn't i don't it? mind it it's all right see that's the thing like i wouldn't plow through <laughs> a big plate of risotto because i find eat... it really boring but for some reason like when you when it comes to rice pudding um i mean what, what would you eat it with as well there's a bit we had a bit of a debate in the office some people were jam but that's a bit sort of school days or i would just have it just as have it, it. Just, as it comes but not with i'm not like um i remember my mom saying when her and her brother used to fight over you know you get that skin, skin on the top. On top yeah and i know some people are really into that but um no i'm all about that creamy bit underneath basically yeah. <laughs> I did. I, I did. I, when we tested it and, and shot it, I, I did very much enjoy it. Yeah. As like a mm, yeah, this is nice. Yeah. But I, I don't think <laughs> you have to be persuaded. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Um, so just quickly to finish, I know that you're a bit of a an expert on rice cooking, and you've got a little perfect method. So, so we're talking cooking basmati here. For, yes. So yeah. I would just yeah, Talk either basmati or jasmine or long, or long grain. Yeah. To be honest, um, this is the absorption method. So okay. which I um, never use. <laughs> which yeah, most a lot of people uh, don't use. Um, it's pretty simple, really. Okay. Well, actually, it's pretty simple. I'm probably going to talk about it for about ten minutes. Go on. <laughs> um, easy, easy. Um, it's so weigh your rice or measure it because it's always i always just use double volume or weight rice to water okay i didn't that if that doesn't make sense if you've got 100 grams of rice 200 grams of water or 200 milliliters of water right um pinch of salt into a pan like usually a small plant you don't want a huge you don't want too much surface area along yeah because it all because um, it all that will affect, evaporate yeah. yeah exactly um and um bring to the boil yeah. Boil it for one minute without the lid on. Okay. Turn it down to to like the lowest setting on a gas hob. Yeah. Put a lid on it. Cook it for gently for ten minutes. Take it off the heat and le- let it steam with the lid on still for ten minutes, and you have perfect rice every time. Every single time. Every single time. Okay. I'm cooking rice tonight, so I'm going to oh, go God. and try that. <laughs> I'm um, coming in tomorrow, and I'm going to feed back. For the letters and complaint, we do have a PO box uh, number somewhere <laughs> for people. Yeah. <laughs> PO box XXXX. Yes, but that for me works 
yeah. 75% of the time, every time. Okay, I'm going <laughs> you said 100%. I'm going to try that. No, tonight. no, it does work 100%. It does work. Brilliant. That is good. Cool. Okay, well, thank you very much for that, Adam, no, thank and you. thanks for the tip. Cheers. So that was the Olive Magazine podcast. If you like this episode, please head over to iTunes and leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to find out more information on things in this episode, you can visit our website, olivemagazine.com. You can pick up a copy of our brand new May issue with all the info about rights on the newsstand now or go and download the app version. Bye for now and we'll be back next week with more food and drink chat.